and gentlemen welcome back to the ptv sports podcast i am of course your host peter andrasani and i just gotta say i'm coming with the energy today i feel good i took all my vitamins today uh i drank a glass of water that had liquid iv in it so you know rip roaring ready to go feeling good um let's talk we got to talk about what is going on this weekend. This is arguably the biggest wild card weekend, super wild card weekend ever, I want to say, because have we ever, I, I don't even remember from last year, to be quite honest with you, have we ever had a playoff game on a Monday? I don't remember if that happened last year, but that's actually really cool. Uh, that's definitely something that I feel like if it hasn't happened before, I feel silly saying if it hasn't happened before or if it has, but if it hasn't happened before, uh, that's pretty dang cool. And I feel like that's going to get a ton of ratings for the NFL. The NFL just kills it in every aspect of ratings and all that because football is America's sport. That's first and foremost, no doubt. But what is going down this weekend? We have a lot of premier matchups, a lot of interesting matchups, I would say. Um, Also, I am recording this on Wednesday. Right now, it's about 1245. I know I said I'd probably get this out to you guys around Friday, but uh, I had the time right now, and I feel like that would give more people time to listen to it and really give me their opinion on what is going on. But the first game that is going to happen on Saturday is the Raiders at the Bengals. This is a game that uh, I'm really excited for. I feel like the Bengals are that team in the NFL playoffs that just no one wants to play. They're firing on all cylinders right now. Joe Shiesty, Joe Burrow is an absolute dog. Jamar Chase, fantastic, incredible rookie season. Then you got, you know, obviously you got T. Higgins, who's had a, yeah, Burrow and Chase are absolute monsters. Then you got T. Higgins, who had over a thousand yards as well. You got Tyler Boyd, who's one of, if not the best slot receivers in football. Uh, you know, Joe Mixon has had a fantastic season as well. Joe Mixon arguably had the best season of his career up until this point. I mean, what do you have? 13, 14 total touchdowns, well over 1,300 yards, I believe. Uh, he was just incredible. Who had a better rookie season? Waddle or Jamar Chase, um, I think in the Bengals wide open, like spread offense, I, I don't know. That's really tough for me because I mean, Jalen Waddle had way more catches, but he also had way less yards. But then again, Jalen Waddle is arguably the best weapon that his team has. It's really tough to say. I would say that Jamar Chase had the better rookie season only because he was more consistent throughout the year. I feel like Jalen Waddle really took about four or five, six weeks to really, really get going. 
who's my rookie of the year, uh, offensive rookie of the year with that. I, you know, it's unfortunate because it's a quarterback. Uh, I don't think any of those guys actually, to be quite honest with you. And if it was up to me, I would say it would be Jamar chase, but it, you know, up to, this is a quarterback. This is a quarterback, uh, award. You know, last year, arguably Justin Jefferson should have won it. And then you got Justin Herbert winning. I'm, I'm, I was okay with either one of those guys winning last year, but a lot of people made the case for Justin Jefferson. I'm going to say that Mac Jones is going to win it. And the only reason why is because of, you know, he had a, a fairly decent season. Uh, yeah, Herbert did have a monster season. You're right. So did Justin Jefferson, but I'm going to say it was Mac Jones. And the only reason why is because I feel like it is a quarterback, uh, award. But if it was up to me, I would say that in those three orders, I would say it would have to go Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, and then Najee Harris rounding up the top three. But unfortunately, Mac Jones is probably going to win it. Um, but I would love to see either of those other three guys win it. I think all three of them are very deserving. Najee Harris had a very slept on rookie season, I feel like, uh, because he exploded for a few weeks there in the middle of the season. And then he kind of fell off just a little bit. Yeah, Parsons for Defensive Rookie of the Year, no doubt. Uh, absolutely. And then I'd say probably rounding out the three. Um, I would say that Patrick Sertan had a really good, really good rookie season as well. So I would say that he'd be the runner up, but Parsons for sure is, is the easy defensive rookie of the year. Um, but getting back to the actual games themselves coming up this weekend, the Raiders and the Bengals is a very intriguing matchup because, uh, you got the Bengals hosting a surprise playoff game. I'd, I'd say that I don't think a lot of people saw the Bengals finishing out 10 and seven and winning their division. So that is Excellent to see. I mean, Zach Taylor was undoubtedly going into this season on the hot seat. And, um, you know, Joe Burrow and, and Jamar Chase and even the defense. You, you look at the defensive side of the ball. They played very, very good um, most of the season, I would say, on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Logan Wilson had a fantastic season in the middle of that defense. Uh, is Burrow the comeback player of the year? I think he has to be. I don't think there's any doubt. Uh, for a while, I was thinking that it was going to be Dak Prescott. But the way that Joe Burrow ended up the season, you know, beating the Kansas City Chiefs and and the Baltimore Ravens throwing for almost a thousand yards in two games, um, you know, he's just a cold, cold man. Joe Burrow is an absolute beast. I would say that he definitely wins the comeback player of the year. Um, so looking forward to Saturday, I, I can't see what's going on, Stone Sports. How are you? I can't see any other way that it would be the Bengals losing at home, probably one of, if not the hottest teams in the NFL right now. Uh, but then again, the Raiders have overcome so much this year. You would think that with the unfortunate incidents with Henry Ruggs, and then you got the firing of the coach midseason in John Gruden, and then you have Damon Arnett going crazy on Instagram Live, you know, trying to shoot fans and or threatening to shoot fans, not trying to shoot fans. And then late, late in the season, then you got, you know, Nate Hobbs having a DUI after his teammate earlier in the year, you know, got arrested and is probably never going to play football again, actually killed a woman because of driving under the influence. So just a ton of stuff has gone on with the Raiders this year. And I think that the coaching staff deserves a lot of credit. I think Derek Carr deserves a lot of credit. He has been uh, dragged through the mud essentially throughout most of his career for, you know, he's just an average quarterback. And, and I mean, 
his stats don't really jump out on the page at you, but his performance in Sunday's game was awesome. And you think about it as well. Like he doesn't really have that many options to throw to. I mean, he's got Hunter Renfro, but then other than that, Darren Waller had a spotty season this year. You know, he was in the line, in the lineup, out of the lineup. He didn't play consistent football this year. Brian Edwards, I was always waiting for Brian Edwards to make that turn to become that guy that was going to be the number two option behind Renfro. And then you got, you know, guys like Zay Jones and Foster Moreau who had good seasons for what they are. I mean, they're not starting caliber players, in my opinion. Foster Moreau may be more than Zay Jones, but those guys had decent seasons as well. And then Josh Jacobs had a good year. Kenyon Drake was having a decent year until he got injured. But uh, this, I feel like this might be the highest scoring game of the wild card weekend because both defenses are more bend, not break. I feel like, um, but the Raiders and the, and the Bengals have broken more than bent the last few weeks, especially you look at Cincinnati verse, um, then you look at Cincinnati Yeah, Jones led the Raiders in targets three of the last four games. Um, yeah, I'm, that's what I'm saying. He had a good year, but I mean, targets doesn't really mean that he's a number one wide receiver. I think that he's a good wide receiver, but I, there are better options out there, you know, for sure. But looking at the offensive side of the ball, I'd take him over Edwards personally. Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like Edwards has the potential to really, really take off. Josh Jacobs is a monster. There's no doubt about that. Um, Brian Edwards just has that potential, and then he never really fulfills it. Josh Jacobs or Joe Mixon? Uh, ah, that's a tough one. Yeah, I would say I would say Mixon only because I feel like Mixon is the better complete back. I feel like he's a better receiver than Josh Jacobs. Um, and Jacobs, what what was Jacobs' stat line looking like this year? Uh, Josh Jacobs, let me see, let me pull it up. Because I feel like his yards per carry was down. <laughs> yeah, um, I guess you could definitely argue that. Uh, that's that's a, a pretty fair argument, I guess. <laughs> oh, man, you guys are funny. Uh, let's see, Josh Jacobs' stats. <laughs> Josh Jacobs, yes, he had... Uh, ooh. He really didn't run for that much. Yeah, Josh Jacobs, uh, four yards per carry, 217 rushes, uh, 872 yards, nine touchdowns, though, which is pretty nice. But it's not a comparison. This year, at least, it's not a comparison. Uh, Joe Mixon had a fantastic year, best year of his career. And I believe he had 13 or 14 or even 15 total touchdowns. Um, yeah, Kenyon Drake was, was, especially in the passing game, Kenyon Drake was uh, definitely better than Josh Jacobs before the injury. Uh, looking back, I keep getting sidetracked. I'm sorry. Hook them horns. <laughs> I'm looking at this game and I feel like Cincinnati is just that team that no one wants to play in the playoffs right now. And I'm going to go with Cincinnati over the Raiders, even though I feel like it will be a closer game than people anticipate. And I feel like it will be a higher scoring game than people anticipate as well. Then on the opposite end of the spectrum, you look at the next game that's going on on Saturday and you got the New England Patriots at the Buffalo Bills, and if you've read the the weather reports, uh, I don't do, I don't bet much, I don't bet props that much, at least I'd say, I bet like money lines and, and stuff like that, but whatever prop has Mac Jones passing yards this, this week, just bet the under, I mean, it's going to be 
similar situation. Remember the Monday night, was it a Monday night game? The Monday night game where Mac Jones threw three passes the entire game. It's going to be similar weather conditions. <laughs> 46 rushing attempts, three passing yards. Um, it's going to be similar conditions. Yeah, nine degrees with a low of one, and it's supposed to feel like negative 10 with the wind chill. It's going to be insane. That ball is going to be as slippery as ever. But I feel like the Buffalo Bills will make a the, – the Buffalo Bills essentially get a mulligan in this game because it's the, the same – type of weather conditions that it was in that Monday night game. And now I feel like they know a little bit more of what to expect, but then that's the beauty of Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels. They, you know, game plan is probably going to change a little bit. I would say that Mac Jones will probably attempt more than three passes in this game, maybe five, maybe 10, who knows? It was negative two last night and filling. What do you live in? Do you live in Buffalo? (laughs) My lips instantly chapped. That's pretty fun. Massachusetts. Yeah, it's going to be frigid. Um, Here I am complaining. I live in New York City. Here I am complaining that it was like 16 degrees last night and it felt like two. And, uh, oh, man, you're lucky, man. 50 and sunny here in Atlanta. Nice, nice. But I feel like this game is going to be low-ish scoring, kind of like the game that was, you know, the Monday Night Football game. Uh, You know, I don't really know what to, you know, I, I, going into this, thinking about recording this podcast and going live on ColorCast, I was thinking that without a doubt, the Bills are going to win this game. It's going to be a lot. I feel like this game will be decided by one score because the Patriots defense is awesome and the Bills defense is just absolutely stifling. I mean, I am a Jet fan and don't get me wrong, like the Jets don't compare to really any passing game in the, in, in the NFL. But it'll be it will be decided by the zebras. I think you'll be a hundred percent right about that. What's the over under on how much money Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft slip the uh, slip the referees before this game? <laughs> but yeah, I, you know, watching the Buffalo Bills defense last week in Week 18 against my beloved 25K each. Jesus Christ! Uh, well, that's nothing for Robert Kraft. He probably paid the uh, the Asian masseuses probably the same amount of money to keep quiet. Uh, <laughs> but. I, you know, watching Buffalo's defense is just insane. If they could get the same, the the New York Jets offensive line is atrocious, but, and it, it's obviously not anywhere near as good as the New England Patriots offensive line, but, uh, you know, they sacked Zach Wilson eight times. He was absolutely, they were absolutely relentless the entire time. Uh, if that pass rush can get anywhere near Mac Jones, it's going to be a long night for the New England Patriots. But to counteract that, I fully expect the New England Patriots to rush the football a lot as well, given the weather conditions and just the fact that the Buffalo pass rush has been pretty darn good at least the last couple weeks. Uh, I, I feel like this is going to be a very low scoring game. I'd say whatever. The over under is 44. I would hammer the under if I was any if I was a betting man, which I am. But uh, I, I'm... New England is plus 175 underdogs. I think Buffalo definitely takes this. I feel like the combination of the crowd and the fact that they get a chance at essentially a mulligan in the same weather conditions on a game that they lost, giving up 21-13 bills, that's absolutely fair. I'm going to go with that. Yeah, definitely a one-score game, I would say. 100% a one-score game. 21-13 might even be too many points. Who knows? But that is a great, great guess. And I'm going to say it's going to be somewhere definitely close to that. Then you got 
the the Saturday is this no I'm sorry there's two games sorry on Saturday and then you have the first Sunday game which is the Eagles at the Buccaneers and uh let's just put it this way I think I was very critical of the Philadelphia Eagles before the season in my um season like season predictions before the season started way back in August I had the Eagles at, I think I was five and 12. So they finished nine and eight. Uh, I didn't give them enough credit, but then if you look at the teams that they have beaten, uh, it is not impressive at all. It, it really isn't. They've beaten basically the lowest of the low. Um, I did this the other day. Let me pull it up right now. If you look at the Eagles regular season schedule, the teams that they've beaten Eagles regular season schedule. It is not, it's really not anything special. Let me take a look here. Who have they beaten? They uh, beat the Falcons. They beat the Panthers. They beat the Lions. They beat the Broncos. They beat the Saints, which is probably their best win of the year. Uh, They beat the Jets. They beat the Washington football team, the Giants, the Washington football team again. Uh... Yeah, that's that's who they want. That's who they beat this year. So really not anything too inspiring. Uh, they also did lose early on in the year to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It was, what, week six. It was a closer game than was anticipated. It was a 28-22, but I think it was a three-score game at one point, and then the uh, Philadelphia Eagles came climbing back. But I just saw that uh, there was three guys that are designated to come off IR for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I know that Leonard Fournette is one of them. So getting back Leonard Fournette will be huge for this offense. I expect the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to run the ball a lot because the Philadelphia Eagles rush defense is just Swiss cheese. I mean, it's just, it's awful. It's been awful the entire year and it was extremely exposed way early on in the year against the Dallas Cowboys where they ran for like 8,000 yards and like four touchdowns against them. But you know, Anything is possible, but I just don't see an outcome where this game is particularly that close. I think eight and a half is a pretty big spread, if we're being honest. Now it just moved. Apparently now it's it's up to nine. So um, that could be juicy as a Philadelphia Eagles play. But I think that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won't have a problem, especially at home. And Tom Brady playing amazing. Rob Gronkowski you know, throwing it back about five years to playing um, not his best ball of his career. Obviously, those days are behind him, but he's playing some great football. Um, When he was healthy this season, he was playing some great football and he was a menace in the postseason last year. So I fully expect him to be a menace again this year, especially with Chris Godwin out. And then you have uh, Mike Evans, who is the only receiver in NFL history to start his career with eight 1000 yard um, seasons straight. So he has well over, I think I did the math the other day because I wanted to see how how good of a career he's had so far. And I think it's well over 9,000 receiving yards uh, in his career and 75 touchdown catches so far. And he has a Super Bowl ring already as well. So, you know, by the, by when it's all said and done, he will definitely be in the Hall of Fame conversation. At least I think he will be. Especially if you think, what does he play? About four or five more years? Uh, maybe. He'll probably have like 11, 12,000 receiving yards, or well over 100 touchdown catches. Uh, he just set the franchise. He beat his own franchise record in receiving touchdowns yet again. Uh, he had 14 this year. He's just an absolute monster. And I think that he's going to have a really, really big role uh, in this offense in the 
playoffs, but I don't really think, like I said, there is much of a chance for the Philadelphia Eagles to get this done. And then let's move down to the next game on the slate. And I think this is the, I honestly think that this might be the hardest one to call, um, at least for the day. So at least for Sunday, you have the San Francisco 49ers at the Cowboys. Uh, this is, it's a tough one because I have gone against the San Francisco 49ers many times this year. And, you know, it's come back to bite me in the butt. But then we have to realize that the San Francisco 49ers actually are a fairly decent football team. I mean, they have a really nice running attack. Debo Samuel is one of the best Swiss Army Knives, if if not the best Swiss Army Knife in the NFL. And then you have, you know, a good rushing attack. They got Elijah Mitchell back there as well. Uh, You know, they got a lot of good things going for them. Their defense is good. Let me see. I pulled up. I had the... I had the stats up here before. I don't know what I did with them, but I know that they are giving up. They aren't giving up much in terms of yards. Yeah, they are. They're giving up 103 yards on the ground per game, and then they're also giving up uh, 206 passing yards per game. So 310 yards overall. But then you have a solid defense going up against the best offense in football, statistically speaking, and probably just overall. You know, you name it, they got it. I mean, Michael losing Michael Gallup was big, but then when you also have C.D. Lamb, you have Amari Cooper, Tony Pollard, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, and then you have Cedric Wilson, Dalton Schultz, Blake Jarwin is back. I mean, it's just like a never-ending carousel of weapons that could be used. I don't know if the San Francisco 49ers can match up in a spread like offensive formation with the, I mean, I don't think really any team could match up with the Dallas Cowboys across the board, but you figure Emmanuel Mosley is probably going to be on CD lamb. Uh, You're going to have either Fred Warner or Dre Greenlaw on Dalton Schultz or whoever's lining up in the tight end, like Jarwin or or Dalton Schultz, whoever it may be. It's going to be tough. I, I don't think that it's going to be easy for the San Francisco 49ers. I think this game is going to be very tight, more tightly contested than people think that it's going to be uh the the what is it let's see the Cowboys the 49ers it is in AT&T Stadium Dallas I think the Dallas Cowboys offense is just going to be too overpowered for the San Francisco 49ers defense and I also think that their defense the Dallas Cowboys defense you know is has been highlighted mostly by uh, Micah Parsons being an absolute monster this year and Tra- Trayvon Diggs having 11 interceptions as well. But I think the way that the San Francisco 49ers can make this a closer game than it should be is by running the football effectively, essentially taking the two biggest playmakers out of the defense in the game. So if you run the ball, you know, if you're running the ball in first and second down and then throwing on third and short or even running again on third and short, it could be extremely effective because then you take Micah Parsons' strongest part of his game out of the equation, his pass rush, obviously, and then you take Trayvon Diggs' ball-hawking ability away as well. So I think getting the game away from the playmakers for the San Francisco 49ers, I mean, offensively getting it away from the Dallas Cowboys' defensive playmakers is essential for them to keep this game close. Um... It's definitely going to be interesting. I think as of right now, I'm going to go with the Dallas Cowboys because like I said, their offense is just, it's just OP at this point. It's so overpowered. Uh, They've been putting up consistent monster numbers uh, week in and week out. 
And really the only game, the only two games that I could think of off the top of my head that they didn't really put up great numbers is against the Denver Broncos and against the Kansas City Chiefs. But every other game this year has been pretty much dominated offensively by the Dallas Cowboys. Um, then you move on to the Sunday night game here. You have the Steelers and the Chiefs. And, uh, you know, this game just would have been a whole lot better if it was who, – who would it have been? It would have been the – so if they tied, if the if the Raiders and the Chargers tied – this past weekend, I don't know who, I think it would have been the Raiders who played the Chiefs. And I think that would have been a much better game than this, even though the Chiefs did actually blow out the Las Vegas Raiders both times that they played this past year. But then again, the Chiefs just recently blew out the Pittsburgh Steelers 36 to 10 in week 16. So I think this is where the, the buck stops here. I mean, you know, uh, it, it it's it's very nice to see Ben Roethlisberger go out in the playoffs, but I don't think that the Steelers really have any chance against the Kansas City Chiefs. They are playing really, really good football, obviously. Offensively, of course, they're playing good football, but then you have on the defensive side of the ball, their their defense has just absolutely clamped down, minus the Cincinnati Bengals game a couple weeks ago. Their defense has been absolutely clamped tight shut since about week seven or week eight. Their defense has been playing fantastic. So their defense played really, really good against the Pittsburgh Steelers the first time. I don't expect it to be a change at any point, really. Uh, I think that it's pretty much done. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger has had a great career. I don't see any way that the only way I could see this is that this happening is if Patrick Mahomes has literally zero time to throw the football. So if TJ Watt is just getting into the backfield at a, you know, frenetic, unrelenting pace where, you know, Patrick Mahomes has zero time to get the ball off, that's the only way I could think about it. But then again, Patrick Mahomes against the Blitz is probably one of the best passers in the NFL. It's when you drop, it's when you play cover two and drop seven or eight guys in coverage when, when he is not that great. So I think that's kind of counterintuitive. I think that the way that the Pittsburgh Steelers win games is with a relentless pass rush. And you can't do both. You can't have a relentless pass rush with three or four guys. I mean, you could, but, you know, statistically speaking, five offensive linemen to four to four defensive linemen or three defensive linemen, you know, that's, that's ridiculous. But I don't think that Pittsburgh have a clear-cut path to victory. I think that either, I think it's going to have to be something ridiculous. It's going to be something absolutely ludicrous if the Pittsburgh Steelers win. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying that like cheating or the referees get involved. I'm just saying like, it's going to have to be like out of, like someone is going to have to play absolutely out of this world. And it's not going to be TJ Watt or Cam Hayward or anyone like that. It's got to be like a defensive back. It's got to be like Minka Fitzpatrick or someone has like two pick sixes or something that absolutely shuts down the KC offense. But the KC offense right now with Tyreek Hill and Miko Hardman has been getting more involved and Daryl Williams, Travis Kelsey, of course. I mean, really, what are we doing here? I think the line is a little bit crazy. I think the Chiefs minus 12 and a half is kind of crazy. This is the playoffs and obviously teams are going to play a lot more tight. So I think the Chiefs win this game fairly comfortable. I would say that they win this game by about 10 points. 
Uh, I'm not going to go anything crazy with that, but I'd say about 10, like a minimum 10 points, maybe 13. Uh, I think it'll be closer than what they're giving the Pittsburgh Steelers credit for because the Steelers have been in some games where they absolutely shouldn't be. I mean, you all, you automatically think back to week one when they beat the Buffalo Bills. I think it was like 13 to 10 or something like that. You know, they've won a fair amount of games this year that I didn't think that they were going to win. And that's why they're in this position now. So obviously something was working for them to be in this position right now. But I do see KC winning this game fairly comfortably. And then moving down to the one that I'm looking forward to the most watching is the Monday Wild Card Weekend. Can't even call it a weekend at that point. The Monday Wild Card Weekend game between the Los Angeles Rams and the Arizona Cardinals. Now the Cardinals started off the season. What was it? Was it was it nine and zero? Was it ten and zero? I don't actually remember. But I think that the Arizona Cardinals have not played good football in the second-ish half of the season. I mean, very inconsistent. They went on that three-game losing streak as well, and then they beat the uh, Dallas Cowboys, and then they lost to the Seattle Seahawks as well. So, and that was for the division too. So if the Cardinals won, all, all the Cardinals had to do was win because the Rams lost and they would have won the division and they would have been hosting this playoff game. So right then and there, what tells me is that this is this a similar situation to last year as well. Remember when Kyler Murray was injured and the Rams were starting John Walford and, you know, whoever won that that game was going to be in the playoffs and whoever lost went home. And then, you know, Kyler Murray got hurt and he was out for basically the entire game. And then John Walford got the job done for the Rams. This kind of reminds me of that where I just feel like Cliff, if, if, if everyone is not healthy and playing to their absolute utmost potential, I feel like Cliff Kingsbury is not a good enough coach to coach himself into a victory. I feel like he's just a handsome guy who has a flashy offense and he has a ton of superstars on his team. And I think if they, if they don't beat the Rams, I think that he's out. I think he should be fired because if you look at the way that the Cardinals defense, I mean, they're caught. We already knew the Cardinals offense with AJ green, with James Conner, with Chase Edmonds, with DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk, Zach Ertz, was going to be amazing. Like, there was no doubt about that. But we didn't really expect their defense to play as good as they have the entire season. And a lot of the times when the offense was sputtering, the defense picked it up. With the amount of talent that the Arizona Cardinals have, you should at least win one playoff game. So what I'm going to say is that if the Cardinals don't beat the Rams on Monday, I feel like Cliff Kingsbury is out, and I think rightfully so. Uh, I think this is his first time making the playoffs as the coach of the Cardinals, and you have all this talent, and you have a you know fringe top 10 quarterback in the NFL in Kyler Murray, and then you lose. Uh, I, I think that I would, if you know, if I was the the ownership group, I would pull the plug on Cliff Kingsbury and get someone in there who, you know, is capable of coaching a victory. I just don't think that Cliff Kingsbury is capable of coaching a victory. And then you look on the opposite end of the spectrum with the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams have played confusing football as well the the last like six weeks of the season. I mean, Matthew Stafford went from being in absolutely being worthy of being in the MVP conversation to just basically throwing like throwing himself out of the MVP conversation. I'm going to look up his stats right now. 
especially over the last six weeks of the season, it's pretty uninspiring. So you have, so he threw for 41 touchdowns and 17 picks throughout the season, but it didn't really start. I'll tell you when it exactly started, and that was really against the uh, Tennessee Titans on Sunday Night Football when the Titans came in and, you know, sacked him like 40 times and he didn't play well. That game, he threw uh, a pick six. He threw he threw a pick six and he threw two he threw 294 yards a touchdown two picks. Then on Monday night football, the next week he threw for 243, a touchdown and two picks and a pick six as well. And then I believe he threw a pick six as well against the Packers. His you know, he he looks better in this game, 302 yards, three touchdowns and a pick. Then he played the Jaguars and he played flawless. Then he did play a really good game against the Cardinals, 287 yards, three touchdowns. And then just uninspiring football. He threw eight interceptions in the last four weeks against the Seahawks. He threw for 244 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. Um, He threw for... Sorry, he threw for, against the Vikings was god-awful. He threw for 197 yards, a touchdown, three interceptions. Uh, that was actually, I'm super salty about that performance because that was the performance that got me booted out of my fantasy football semifinals. I believed in the in the guy all throughout the year, and that's what he does to me in the semifinals when I needed him the most. Um, he was like the avatar. When we needed him most, he vanished. Uh, and then against the Ravens, two touchdowns, two picks, uninspiring, and then this past weekend against the 49ers, he also threw three touchdowns, two picks. I, I mean, the 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 running backs have to play well for for this team to win. I feel like at this point, with the with the type of football that Matthew Stafford has been playing the past six plus weeks, I feel like for them to win, it just hold on a second. All right, sorry about that. My dad texted me. Uh, he was blowing up my phone. I didn't know if something was wrong there. Um, so yeah, so Matthew Stafford has been playing uninspiring football lately. Uh, I, you know, I was the biggest believer, and all my friends could tell you, I, I am like the biggest Matthew Stafford apologist out there. I think that he is a tremendous talent. He has some of the best arm talent. In the NFL that we've ever seen, he ball placement is amazing, but he just makes some fucking stupid decisions sometimes. I mean, like you look at some of the picks that he's thrown in the last four weeks, and you're like, dude, what are you doing? I, like, it just makes me it makes me worried for the playoffs. Like, I, I I'm worried for how well he's going to play if he has to. Like, if they beat the Carolina Panthers, then he's going to have to play. He's going to have to play probably – I don't actually know who they're going to have to play. I don't have the bracket in front of me, but I'm worried about the next – I'm worried about the next matchup after that because Matthew Stafford, what, how many games – he's only played, what, two or three playoff games in, in his career. Like, you know, it's a different animal. The playoffs are a different animal. So I think the fact that he is at home in this playoff game will make it that much better. I think that Sean McVay and company really need to – um attack this game as a playoff game. I think they should be more cautious than they usually are. And I know that that's not what got them here, but you know, Matthew Stafford has the potential to break your back with some mind blowing interceptions. 
So I think maybe taking the ball out of his hands at some points and letting the defense handle it because defense has been playing great. Aaron Donald has, I mean, he's not going to win the defensive player of the year award, but he absolutely, absolutely should be in the conversation yet again for the defensive player of the year. Uh, Jalen Ramsey lights out as usual and the, the, the secondary has been playing really well. It's okay to sometimes not go for the home run ball, you know, let, let your defense play and trust in your defense. And I feel like the, Los Angeles Rams really need to take that into consideration. I think they do need to switch up their game plan a little because it really hasn't been. They've been getting lucky. I mean, they beat they beat the Vikings with three interceptions thrown. They beat the Ravens with two interceptions thrown. You know, they 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 need to dial it back a little bit. But I think at the end of the day, I do think that the Rams are going to come out on top. I just don't believe in Cliff Kingsbury and his coaching staff. I think that um, – he has been severely overrated. He's been given probably one of, if not the most talented rosters from top to bottom in the NFL, and he has shitted in the second half of the season. Uh, you know, just I'm just not. I never was really a big fan of his, especially after last year' epic collapse where Kyler Murray was having his coming out party as one of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL, and you missed the playoffs with him having like 40 total touchdowns and like 10 intercepts. Like it just, it just didn't sit well with me. And it made me believe that he is not as good of a coach as people give him credit for. Also, you know, look at that roster. Of course, you're going to win some games with that roster. I mean, give me a break, but that is what I have for you today. So going down really quick, I'm sorry about the beginning of the podcast episode. By the way, I was live on ColorCast. I still am live on ColorCast as well, but I was live on ColorCast answering some questions that the chat had um, for me to answer. So when I was trying to get through the first game, it was a little bit of a struggle. So I apologize if it was a little confusing. Like I said, the Raiders at the Bengals, I have the Bengals advancing. The Patriots at the Bills, I have the Bills advancing. Eagles and Buccaneers, I have the Buccaneers going through. 49ers and Cowboys, I have the Cowboys going through. Steelers and Chiefs, I got the Chiefs. And then the last game of Wild Card Weekend, the Cardinals and the Rams, I have the Rams advancing. So you will hear from me again at some point this week. I'm super excited to get all this content out to you guys. I've been trying to bust out this content. I just posted, if you're listening to this on on Wednesday or Thursday, I just posted a new mock draft um, for the Seattle Seahawks. So check that out on YouTube. We are going crazy subscribers up to 933. So we're closing in on that magic number 1000. Uh, I can't thank you guys enough for your support. Thank you so much for listening today live on ColorCast. Thank you so much for listening and this recording of the podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Have a great day and you take care and enjoy those games.